millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, mate. Mr. Hudson, how are you? Topic of the week again. Last week it was the sober tent, which, down, which went down very well. Uh, yeah. th- this week, we're going to be talking about substitutes. Ronaldo refusing to go on, walk down the tunnel. We've we've seen and heard the fallout. What I haven't heard, though, Al, is nobody has asked Ten Hag, at what moment did you ask Ronaldo to go on? If it was three, maybe four minutes to go, why did you ask one of the world's greatest players to go on with a short amount of time left to play? Do you not find that insulting to Ronaldo? And did you do it because you wanted a reaction from Ronaldo and you got it? What's your take on it? Well, yeah, I, um, the only way it, your nickel fault is ridiculous. Uh and then you try to weigh it up and you think that he might have had an ulterior motive to see how Ronaldo would um, respond. And that was his response. And maybe that was a response that Ben Hag wanted. Yeah. Um, to give him an excuse to get him out of the club. Um, but it it was, in my, in my eyes, so very disrespectful. It was incredible. It was scary. It was it was a scary moment. It was a sad moment, uh, and um, you don't want to see such a fantastic footballer and what he's given to the game and all over the world um, end a career in such a way. And it's that that's what management can do to to players. We've always spoke about manage, management can break, make or break you, and it leaves a very sour taste in your mouth to. To see that happen, it was very sad. It was just, it was sad to walk him, see him walk away like he did. Uh, and it's very sad that the fans, uh, if they do have a have a backlash and respond badly towards him, I think it, that would be even sadder because he's he's been nothing but fantastic since he's been back. Absolutely. I just again, I'd like to ask uh, Tenag those two questions, and then I'd like to ask him. So, what did you what did you expect? If Ronaldo would have come on with a few minutes to go, what do you, you were already 2-0 up, so he ain't going to change no game. With three or four minutes to go, you've got absolutely no chance. He may have had two, maybe three touches. So, you know, what was your your expectations of Ronaldo and why did you do it? And I keep looking at that and asking this, the same question to myself. And the only answer I can come up with is that he wanted the reaction from Ronaldo to say, right, I now want him out of this football club. After the World Cup, he's gone. He'll never play for me again. I just think that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, you were, I mean, well, there's one thing we don't know. It's like when I I was at Arsenal and, you know, and at Chelsea, uh, the fans, supporters don't know what goes behind, on behind the scenes, how... How you're getting on with the manager? How the, how you respond to uh, managers' de- decisions? Um, they don't know what's gone on, what's been said, uh, the lead up to the game. 
he's obviously very disappointed he didn't he didn't start match united made a tre- tremendous recovery mm-hmm. uh and it that should have been a, the the story really but the story he wanted something else ten Arga. he wanted uh to did he try to to belittle him or something yeah. i don't know but, you know because seattle um Ronaldo, Ronaldo is it was such a incredible figure, and for the kids watching the game as well, you know, it's it's a terrible thing that you know they have to watch that and think that that's the right that, that would be the right thing to do, or you know, Ronaldo was right to do that or or wrong to do that. They don't really know what's gone on, and that you know. It, you know, footballers have, you know, they get paid a lot of money. They, Ronaldo's probably one of the richest footballers ever ever walked the planet. And uh, but he earns that right because he's been that good and his record shows that. And um, take his goals away from Manchester United. And they pro- probably might have got relegated the season before. And Ten Hag wouldn't even be, be at Old Trafford. You know, they, they could be a championship team. Uh, that's that was that was how influential he was this season before, and and to be treated like that, I mean, I, I've been there. I've been I've been in a, a very very similar situation, uh, although I'm no Ronaldo and I couldn't I couldn't even score that many goals in trading. I don't think, <laughs> but it's um, no, it's a very you know to think that that was a talking point, and. Um, he shouldn't have been. He should have been. He should have. He should have. You know, I had a word with him afterwards to say. You know, like 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 we always say. You know, um, uh, I was telling someone a story about Jack Jackie Marsh at Stoke when he stormed in the office with Tony Waddington, Tony Waddington, and screaming at Oliver because he had played a kid in front of him. And Tony said to him before he started screaming at Oliver, and he said. This kid's a good player. Number two, Jack, it's not really the response I want from you. The response I want from you is to work harder to get back in the team, to fight for your place. I don't want you screaming, coming in, screaming at Ollie and asking for a transfer. If you want a transfer, there's there's a telephone on my desk. Ring all the clubs up and see if they want you. You know, let's, you know, let's get this, get put the record straight here. It's not, you know, <clears throat> and that and that's kind of the same down the same line as what's happened with Ronaldo. He's, he wanted, um, you know, afterwards he should say, he, you know, he should be quite proud to have him in the football club. I, I, I don't, I don't really, I can't believe that Ronaldo <clears throat> has been any kind of disruption since he's took over. Uh, he's a, he's a world, he's a top world class player who, who. Who deserves proper respect from managers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um, oh, Ten Hag might go on to do great things at Manchester United, but uh, in years to come, when he turns around and he starts talking about his experience in football, I don't think that is one that he can be very proud of. No, absolutely. One that also can't be very proud of is Terry Neal, the way that he treated you at Arsenal. And when I hear fans say, no players ever refused to go on. Okay, yours was very, very different, and you did go on. Gunter Netza, I do want to briefly talk about Gunter after your experience as well, didn't go on in the 73, or refused to go on in the 73 German Cup final against Cologne, but did 
in extra time. But let's just go back to 1978 when Don was giving Terry a little bit of clout on the on the bench about a substitute. You take up the story, and coincidentally, that song did uh, hit the uh, the parades in July. 1978 by South African or group band as well. Great song and a great story that you're going to tell out. Well, it was in, uh, uh, let's not forget, in, in, in 1977, 78, um, I was in and out of the side, through, had a bad uh, abdominal strain and I, I was struggling. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, you know, it, it used to come on after about an hour, Paul, and yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't train properly, and I couldn't, couldn't play properly. I, I, I was, I was injured, and he made me s- substitute in a League Cup tie as a quarter final at Highbury. Remembering that in those days, there's only one substitute, whereas with Ronaldo the other night, there was six or seven, or I don't know if he was the last one. The, to go on the field, I, I don't even know. I wasn't really that wasn't that wasn't that interesting. But there was a, a hybrid. If you can remember the old ground, it was um, it was a it was a fantastic ground. And as you get to the bottom of the 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 tunnel, there's there's two little boxes for the home and away vis, You know. Um, Substitute manager, you you could get. Let's say you could just get four in the little box. So there's Don Howe and Terry Neal in the front of the box, and I'm sitting in the back with a fellow named Tony Don Donnelly, who was the kit man, the boot man, this man, that man, the every, everything man at Ivory. Very well respected, a lovely fella, Arsenal through and through, and he's sitting next to me behind um, uh, the two, the manager and the coach, and. The, the, they they'd done a great job, Arsenal. They they had uh, they they got a job up at they got a draw up at Main Road at nil nil. Pat Jennings was I didn't go to the game. Pat Jennings um, got them f- f- through with the draw by putting him in one of his uh, superlative displays. Um, so I was named substitute for the re- replay on the Wednesday night. It was a very very cold night at Highbury. And uh, I was just sitting in the back behind the manager and the coach, and I didn't have my boots on. Uh, I had a towel wrapped around my feet. And uh, for the first 20 minutes, 20, after about 10 minutes, Corbin, it's quite obvious that we, we needed to make a change. They were overrunning us in midfield. They had the likes of Asa Hartford and... Um, Steve Williams, I think, who was a very good player at Southampton, who went to Man City, he was he was and he was playing well. Hartford was getting a lot. They had a lot of room on the board. They had a lot of space. They had a lot of time, and they were just walking, getting through too easy out about back four. And our midfield was non-existent. And Donau was kept nudging Terry and saying, "Make a change, make a change." So it was obvious he was talking about bringing me on because I was the only substitute. If it, if there had been three or four subs, you'd have gone, well, "What? What does he mean? Name a name, you know." Uh, but it was obvious to bring me on. And then on the half-hour mark, because of the, there was a clock at Highbury, and, and, and I, looked, I can remember looking up on the half-hour half mark, he, he turned around and he said, right, Addy, you're coming on. So um, I looked at Tony. I said, uh, come on, Tony, we're going in the dressing room. Uh, you're going to clean my boots, and I'm going to put my feet under the hot tap. He said, oh, Tony Neal said, what are you talking about? I said, my, I'm not coming on. I said, my feet are too cold. I said, I can't come on, my feet are freezing. I won't be able to field the ball. I said, you're joking. So I got up and I walked down the tunnel and Tony, 
Donnelly was falling all over the place, banging into the walls down the tunnel, laughing. He said, I've never seen anything like it. Someone telling the manager, you're not coming on. I said, well, Tony, that's right. I said, if they, if they hold out to half time, I said, you're going to clean my boots and I'm going to run up, put my feet under the hot tap. And, that, and that's what happened anyway. Next thing you know, the doors swing open. They, they swing doors in their hybrid dressing room. And I was sitting on the edge of the bath and my feet were nice and warm and uh, Tony put boots alongside me and uh, uh, he said to John Matthews, John, you're coming off. He said, Adi, you're coming on. And that, that was it. And the next thing you know, uh, I've gone on and for 45 minutes, I, I ran the game. I said, I knew exactly what to do because I played against Asa Hartford several times when he was at West Brom and things like that. And even in the youth team at Chelsea, I played against Asa. He was a good player. Uh, and I turned the game around and we, we won 1-0. Liam Brady scored from a penalty, I believe. Um, I made sure, get, I made I just made sure that I got on and said to the back four, just, get, just keep giving me the ball. I said, I've got 45 minutes and I just ran the game. It was the first 45 minutes in an Arsenal shirt. That I, you know, if I could have played like that all the time at Arsenal, I'd have, I'd have no doubt stayed there. Um, and uh, it was just a shame that the, the manager couldn't see that, you know. Um, and afterwards, I remember going around the pub after and I was sitting here, I was quite, I was delighted with the way I played. At last, I really showed the Arsenal supporter that I... I was a good player and because they hadn't seen nowhere near the best of me. They hadn't seen my Stoke City form or my Chelsea form. And uh, I sat around the pub and a few people come over and congratulate me. And uh, the next day I went out, as I do on a Thursday, and I was going down this little afternoon club and with my friend uh, in those days, Mick Carter. And uh, I said, I must get a, a standard, you know, an evening standard, which has the, the night before. Um, what's going on in the games and the headlines were Terry Neal pulls a master stroke and brings Hudson on to win, to win, uh, win through to the set, to the semi-final and it was the biggest load of baloney and it, it just goes to show that the people that read papers would read that and believe it because he had no intention of bringing me on. It was all down to Don Howe. He was the brains behind it. And uh, but it, but it was uh, it was never mentioned afterwards or, or never again. I, I don't think even the players knew uh, who were out there that they didn't know what had gone on in the box. I, but I just said, no, I'm not coming on. I said, you got to give me a little bit more time. I got to warm my feet up. But. Uh, I, I would have wondered what it would have been like. The way I look here, Paul, is I wonder if it would have been in an England game and Dom Revy would have said it and I'd have said, you know, no, I don't think so. I said, my feet are too cold. I'm going in the dressing room and warm them up. You know, there would have been a, if it had been an international, it would have been an unbelievable, you know, you can imagine walking walking off at Wembley and walking down a tunnel to, to warm your feet up. But it was quite, it was quite hilarious. It was funny, but it was, it was, I did the right thing because I had, if I'd have went on with my, my, my feet freezing cold. I weren't ready. I wasn't warmed up. It was a freezing cold night. It was a stupid. He should have said to me after 20 minutes, Alan, start warming up. Yeah. You know, absolutely. you could be coming on. Not not just instantly change your mind because Don Howe was kept ribbing him. He should have he, sh he should have given me 10 minutes quarter hour to warm up and said, you're, you're coming on in 10 minutes. And even if he changed his mind and we had scored in those 10 minutes and we went on 
to be in front at half time and, and not bring me on, it would it would have been the right thing to do. But he he never get it was he was that kind of manager. He never give it any fault, you know. He, you know you you have to look at the player you're bringing on and and see how see how he is and say, are you ready? Are you yeah. you know get get ready get ready get get your mind right. Let, Let's get you warmed up. You don't want to go on in a freezing cold, and, and that's what happened. And and, and when I I just love made off when I see the paper the next day. I went in the club and so was telling the, the story to all my mates in this this afternoon club. And I said, if you read that and believe it, then you're reading a load of lies. I said well, that's not that's not what happened. And uh, but you know it was it was great for me because we. Um, we knocked them out, we and we got through to the semi-final, and we we were very very unlucky to get beat in the semi-final against Liverpool, and uh, and that season that would have been two cup finals in in my last season, and also finished fifth in the league, so it was decent, and that was because Don had come back in a recent book by David Tussle that you'd um, had a little bit of input in there. You did say that um, had Don not come back, Arsenal could have got relegated under Terry Neal. Let's go back to that uh, problem that you had, the abdominal problem. You didn't actually have a medical at Arsenal. You were signed while you was injured. He didn't believe you and things went from bad to worse. You even got sent home from uh, Australia with Malcolm McDonald. So when Don come back, he did steady the ship. And it's a Ken, if only, because if he'd have kept Hudson, Brady and kept Alan Ball rather than you being the replacement for Alan Ball, that team could have gone on and been European champions. Just how important a manager is. Cologne against um, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Word comes out that um, the great Gunter Netzer is on his way to Real Madrid. As a result, the manager gets wind of it, drops him for the final. They're drawing 1-1. And um, he says to Gunter, right, you're going on now. And he says, no, I'm not. I'm not going on. The story, the story was one of the players got injured and in extra time almost begged Gunter to go on. We need you. We need you. He went on. He scored the winning goal. That was his swan song. But again, all down to management, whether it's the Borussia Mönchengladbach manager in 73, whether you look at Terry Neal in 78, or you look at Ten Hag now, for me, it's bad management. Yeah, it's... Um... Uh, it's a, you know, it's very. Uh, I, I always think that you. I, I mean, I was out yesterday. I went to a game at Sutton United. I was with a lot of Chelsea supporters, and and you, you listen to their opinions on managers and the past and the future and, and the present. Um, and you'd like to tell them these kind of stories to say you have to understand it's the same as any other job in yeah. in, in in your line of work. I said to a couple of him in your line of work, if you was treated like that, who knows how you would you you would respond? You know, you know, show a little respect. You know, and and when I you know when I had my got the I got the injury in training in in in, in Stoke on in Stoke City. Um, uh, it was a weird situation. I was, I was, um, we didn't have a game of the weekend on the Friday. Uh, we trained and I did my uh, stomach exercises. And, and after the, after training, I did a double lot of them because we weren't playing on the Saturday. And on leaving the ground, 
um someone said uh that irene who, who works eileen who works on the on the desk said i've just had a phone call from chelsea will you go and play in a, a testimonial in uh tomorrow morning down at the bridge so uh, I, i'm not sure frank something to do with frank lampard senior yeah and uh at west ham and i said yeah i'd love to because you know it, it, it was good to go back to the bridge and good to get away from the environment I, and i went and played and um uh, after about after an hour, it was like someone stabbed me in the stomach. I'd done, I'd, I'd just overdone it with the sit-ups, which I would never have done had I known I was playing the following day. Anyway, I carried this injury, and strange, strange, oddly enough, it was it coincided with um, like when the just that was just after the roof blew off, and they needed the money, and they sold me to Arsenal. They sold Jimmy Green off to Manchester United. And sold me to Arsenal, and I went down to Arsenal. I was really, I thought the I didn't want to leave Stoke City and what. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But I thought that's a great consolation. I'm going to team up with Alan Ball and Liam Brady. And I thought, you know, what an experience that, that would be if I can get myself fit. Anyway, I never even had a, uh, as you said earlier on, I never had a medical. They never sent me for any treatment. And I was on the treatment table for about eight weeks before I even touched the ball. It was just, you know. And I think uh, what what bothered me more than anything was Paul was what the other players felt. Because yeah. if it had been me and a player had signed, uh, a top player had signed, you know, at that time, I had a fantastic time at Stoke. So, you know, and I'd played against the Germans a year before. Um, and they must have, I, 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 you know, I, I think some of them might have doubted if I went there for all the right reasons, you know. Did I go there to sit on the treatment table? Because some people do that, you know. They they think, oh, I can't be bothered. You know, I've, I've had a transfer. I mean, and let's not, not forget, it wasn't like today where you're getting absolute fortunes. You know, mm-hmm. there was no money, no big money involved. But, you know, they kind of pop their head in the dressing room and say, how's it going today, Al? You, you're comfortable, you know, and that, you know, the dressing room can be a, 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 a pretty daunting place at times. And I know what I'd have been like. I said, what, what have you come here? Is it Butlin's here or something? You know, you're supposed to, are you a footballer or what? You know, but that was all down to bad management and, and not getting, and not allowing me to get fit or sending me away to, or even sending me away on holiday for a month and say don't do nothing get the, because that's what happened in the end the only when i did walk out on arsenal in the end 
it was only through walking out on Arsenal and resting for a month before I started training again that that I I got rid of the uh, the injury. So I needed rest. Uh, instead of keep training me training every other day to see if I was fit, I was yeah. just yeah I was just making it worse. So it was bad. It was bad management, and they even got me to go to the club doctor. And he kind of treated me like he was a psychiatrist. You know, he was trying to get inside my head to say, "This is this all in your mind," and I, I and I was insulted by it, and it made things worse. And it just it it come to a head, and uh, I just walked. I just walked out, and I, I never came back again. I was the only person ever to walk out of Arsenal. And he used to call me up and say, "When are you coming back?" I said, "I'm not coming back while you're manager." I said, uh, I don't know what you're going to do about it, um, but I, I refuse to come back. I says, uh, I need to get my uh, my injury. I'm, I'm going to start playing again when I'm injury free. I said, I'm not going to have you mess me about. And, and that was the way it went on. And and that was 1978. And in, in the 90s, when I went back, I moved over to East London. And then I was, I had the car accident. I was in the hospital. Terry Neal had a sports bar, which was literally a five-minute walk of, for me in my wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair at the time. Um, I used to go in his pub, in his bar, in the wheelchair, and uh, <laughs> we would talk about old times, and it was, it was, oh, it was funny. It was real funny, you know. And he would introduce me to people, and this, Alan, I don't know. And I thought, only you knew what a fraud this is, you know. And that, yeah. that, that's where he ended up running a bar, you know. In those days, you managers were there for life, you know. He'd had two of the top jobs in the game. He had a job at Tottenham and he had a job at Arsenal. Or two of the top jobs in the world at that time, you know, because they were big, big, as big a clubs then as they are now, you know. So, you know, again, we, we always finish off with management, don't we, yeah. you know, for that, that being our last word. Uh, but today we won't finish off with management because uh, I've just it just came to my attention while I was waiting for my coffee. Uh, the, it, uh, this was the day that Matthew Harding died. Yes, yeah. Uh, and that was a very sad day. Um, I'm very good friends with his, his best friend at the moment and uh, he tells me some wonderful stories about him. Um, I had lunch with Matthew 10 days before his helicopter went down and it and it still deeply saddens me, you know. And it's especially with Chelsea playing yesterday. Uh, Matthew would have been there yesterday. He'd have been in charge of the club. And but uh, make no mistake, any Chelsea supporter, Chelsea had Matthew taken over, which he would have done in time. Uh, Chelsea would have been bigger, if not bigger, than what they are now. And the success they've had, they would have had. Just as much success, if not more, but they he would have kept the club mm. the way it was when he supported it, a family club. Again, and that's what's and that's what's lacking because I heard so many disturbing rumours at the table yesterday about from Chelsea supporters about the club is how the clubs changed over the years and how they miss people like Matthew and uh, not not knowing that today was the day. It, it was um, it was on a Monday actually, wasn't it? When it when it happened um, after a, a, a match at Bolton, I think, when the helicopter came down, and I was I, I put the news on on a Tuesday morning, six o'clock a.m. and and see the re- the remains of the helicopter sh- scattered all over the the floor, and and the news reporter said, 
I just believe that this is uh, Chelsea directors. It's got to be because there's programs, Chelsea and Bolton programs from last night. And I I remember wake, waking my wife up and I said, they've got some real bad news. I said, I think that Matthew's in that helicopter because it wouldn't be Ken Bates. Yeah. Uh, it, it, no, you couldn't, uh, it could only happen to Matthew and not Bates. And it was a really, really sad day. And one of the, the, the strangest things is I could have been on it with him because 10 days before, he could easily have said to me, how do you fancy? I had several phone calls from people saying to see if I was okay because they knew I'd had lunch with him. Okay. And uh, one of those was Paul Miller. Right. Maxi. Uh, yeah. Maxi called me because uh, he knew Matthew and uh, people thought he might have been on there. And uh, it was one of those really sad sad days and you know the nobody mentions the other people that died along with Matthew I think there was three or four uh but it, it, you know I just still to this day can't can't understand why he had to get a helicopter home and you know a, a very wealthy man as he is why he didn't stay overnight and get the early train back to London in the morning and you know I, I know it's in hindsight yeah. and these but when that when it happened to the fella at Leicester you know the the the, the other tragedy with the the man that owned Leicester after that incredible success he had then it happened to him you it makes you wonder doesn't it you know uh, mm. uh I don't know is it meant to be or it's just you know, Matthew, his last words to me, Matthew, when we left the lunch table, I said, where where do you go from here? And I meant to him, are you going back to work? Because it was after lunch. And uh, he said, I'm just going to have to wait for him to die. And I, that were his last words to me. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you know who. He said, I got, he said because that's the way it is at the moment. He's running the club and he, I've got to wait for him to die to take over. And lo and behold, uh, you know, he went down and he, it's unbelievable. If it was in a film script, it would be, you know, you'd say, look, it's, that, that's pushing it a bit far, you know. Terrible, tragic, and people don't, fans don't really understand the importance, A, of a manager, B, of the owner. Yet, of course, you need 11 players that can play football and, uh, you know, um, can do what the manager wants them to do. But that manager can make or break you and we've always maintained that on every podcast that we've done now the most important person in a football club is the manager and if you haven't got good management then it all falls down and that comes from well, absolutely i mean i think the greatest the greatest example i was i was got on the train yesterday as i said i went to sun and i was sitting with a, a lady and she was very well to do lady very well dressed and w- we were got on at Wimbledon to go to Sutton and she was telling me that she was a Fulham supporter. And I went, oh, that's strange. I said, because I was as a kid and uh, we were talking about a manager. And I said, at last, they've, you know, they've had so many bad managers at Fulham. Mm. Uh, I said, at last, you've got the right man to do the job. And uh, it's this, this new manager. He's turned, he's turned the whole club around, the way they play. Um even to the extent of getting Steve Gerrard a sack. Yeah. You know, he, he was that far advanced of Steve in management terms. You know, they just they just 
smashed Villa the other night, and it was, uh, and uh, and again, it was all down to management. It was the, the, that was a game plan. Fulham come out of traps and said, "Don't let, them, don't," because Chelsea, uh, Villa played very well on the previous Saturday against Chelsea and should have beat yeah. Chelsea, had it not been for the Chelsea goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, so they Villa, Villa were kind of. You know, if we can turn his performance into goals, he would still be in a job. But um, the Fulham manager went about it and thought, he's under pressure, he'll be a little bit nervous. The players will be a little bit nervous. They need the points badly. Let's not let them settle. And, you know, it was great, great management. I thought fantastic management from the from the Fulham manager. And he's, you know, he took over from Scott Parker. Scott Parker couldn't have played like that. Scott Parker was a manager who was always uh, a little bit like Terry Neal, yeah, pass it backwards, don't take any chances going forward. This fella gets his players to, they're, they're courageous, they go forward, they try and score goals. That's why Mitrovic, all of a sudden, is now a Premier League player because yeah. of the management. Whereas last the last time around, he, he scored about two goals in the, the entire season because Fulham was so negative. And if you got a goal scorer, it's like Malcolm McDonough at Arsenal, he wouldn't have scored all them goals if we played in a negative way. Osgood at Chelsea, he wouldn't have scored all them goals if Chelsea played negative because we had players who could, could, could create things and, and we, we were great going forward and, and creating chances. And, and that's all, again, it's down to the manager. You know, a, a manager can make or break a football club. Absolutely. And the player, and more important, the player. Absolutely. And finally, what I've never understood, Al, um, it looks as though Villa um, are negotiating with, um, is it Sporting uh, Sporting Lisbon, for their manager to come over and, and join the fold at Villa Park. Uh, this seems to be a £26 million compensation package that they're trying to put together. It always amazes me why clubs are reticent to spend money on the manager. They'll fork out £100 million on a player and go, well, we've done about £25 million compensation for a manager. When the manager's the most important person at the football club, that always amazes me, beggars belief. Well, it, it's... Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's still a very dark cloud over Villa Park, you know... Um, uh, only there's a dark, there's big... a dark cloud over Birmingham, mate. Piss down all yeah, night. Well, there, tell, yeah? well, there is. There was. A, there was a dark. Uh, you know, uh, I lived up the road, obviously, in the potteries of the the chimney pots and the the smoke and everything else. But there was never a dark cloud with Waddington. It was. It was. Uh, it was. There was no doom and gloom, and you know, it was. It was a del- delight to play for such a manager. Yeah. You know, where this this dark cloud at Villa is one that they just don't know what they're doing. They 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 just don't know the right man for the job. I mean, Villa before they sold Jack Grealish, looked like they were a team that were going somewhere, uh, and now they sold Grealish. I'm not saying that he, he would have made them a better team. Uh, this is something we don't know. Yeah. He's kind of not been as good a player at Manchester City as he was at Villa because he was a focal point of their team and uh, he should have been in the England team as we've spoke about before. Yeah. Um, so they kind of, they're, no, they're in the middle of nowhere at the moment, Aston Villa, you know. Danny Ings and the kid from Brentford, I like him, Ollie Watkins, in a good side, he'd be a good player. 
but it's all about management and it's all about getting players to create chances for them and uh, I'm afraid you know it's it, it was such a I mean I don't know how, where he goes from here Steve Gerrard I mean that was a that was a, a big big job for him and one that, that I thought you know this 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 club can be big again and let's not forget it's my my friend Don Shanks is uh, it's his his boss uh, his boss's brother owns uh, as major shares in the club so I, it would be interesting to see what Don's got to say when he comes back from Egypt his boss has in Villa does he is but Don's boss, who he drove for for ten years, yeah. he's, Egypt, he's Egyptian. Yeah. Uh, he's an Egyptian businessman. I went over to Don with Don last year. Uh, he owns big property over there. He owns the the great big hotel over there. Uh, I asked a fellow one day about the hotel. How long did it take to build? He said it took twenty seven years to build this hotel. Uh, and the same people that built it built Disney World. So well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of money that this fella's got. But his brother is a is a major major shareholder at Aston Villa. Oh right. Uh, so it will be interesting to speak to Donna. It will, it will no doubt call me in the next couple of days and say what's going on in Villa. I don't know. I don't think Don's ever met his brother, but. Uh, I know um, the, the fellow that Don works for, he, he, he speaks very highly of, and they're good people, but when it comes to football, have they got the football, they got the money, but they the they news. haven't got, the, you know, but money don't give you the, it doesn't mean that you know anything about the game. We've, how many times we've seen people buy clubs and don't know what they're doing? Absolutely, football is littered with them, but again, Another, finally, finally. Great to see Frank doing well at Everton. I just watched the uh, the clips on, on Match of the Day and two of the Everton goals. It looks as though he's got Everton playing like Brazil. Well done, Super Frank. Well, he's, um, it's a matter of time with Frank. It's um, it's a, It was a very... I think it was... He, I, he took the wrong job. I think he should have... Yes. I, bumped into, I bumped into Frank uh, not long before he took the job and... In a, in a pub down the King's Road, and we we chatted, and it was it was kind of about three or four days after he turned down the Newcastle job, and he he said to me, "Oh, it's too far to go out," and I went, "Not when you got an aeroplane, Frank. It's not." <laughs> and he laughs, he laughs, but I think that he knows he's dropped a Wally. He should have took that. He could have done exactly, you know, what Eddie Howe's done. He's done a fantastic job, Eddie Howe. He's done a fantastic job at Bournemouth. He's a top, top manager. And, you know, Frank was just lacking that experience at the time, which I think I said to you, Paul, he should have had someone alongside him with a bit of experience who would have led him down the right path. And he should have took the Newcastle job. And that could be in there at the richest club in the world now. You know, instead, he's, you know, as you said, he's, he's, it will pull it around here, Everton. I don't think they're going to. I know, I know, I know Bill Kemright quite well. He's a good man, uh, but again, you know, they're they're a team. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they must have had a party last night with Liverpool losing and then winning. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time they they really could celebrate anything like that. But Frank will turn Frank will turn it round. But uh, I don't think Frank's future will be Everton. No, he's destined. 
you know, and no disrespect to Everton for greater things, unless he can bring those glory days back to Everton, because, you know, Everton are a, a top six, top four football club in uh, in this country. They are a, a grand old team, as the uh, as the song suggests. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we will be reconvening uh, in a few weeks' time because we're going to be doing the uh, Alan Hudson's World Cup Diary off the back of Alan Hudson's American Dream, My Life, My Music. Gareth is going to be naming, I believe he's, he's, he's naming a 55-man England squad. So you never know, mate, you might get the call up as well because I don't think there's 55 players that can play at that level. But he's got to whittle it down by the 13th of November to 26. He can take 26, three players added on because on any given day, and game, he can only name a squad of 23. Well, it's, uh, it's funny I should end on this subject <laughs> because I can remember when uh, uh, Don Revy took over it, the England job. I was playing for Stoke and Peter Oscar was playing for Southampton and he named a squad of 80 players to come to Manchester for a get-together and he left Peter Oscar out of the 80 and I used to introduce Peter Oscar to people who was the 81st best player in the country. And he used to want to beat me up every time I said it. <laughs> but that was, that was the kind of thing that managers do to belittle you. And that Don Howe, uh, Don Revy, by uh, picking up 80 players and leaving the great Peter Oscar out of the, in the squad in 1975 was exactly, exactly like what, Ten Hag has done to Ronaldo. He's just trying to belittle him, and uh, and and send a message to him. Really, you're not wanted. Absolutely, I don't think any man has made himself look good by making others look little. And uh, we will speak soon again, Mr. Hudson. Thank you very much for your time, sir. It's been a pleasure, Paul, as always. Cheers, out, and it stopped raining now as well, mate. Happy days. Oh, there you go. That cloud will go. <laughs> Every grey cloud, there's a silver lining, I do. Those, yeah. those are the days, my friend. <laughs> oh, Paul, they never end, mate. Absolutely. Cheers, Al. See you, pal. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye, mate. Bye, mate. Bye, mate. Bye, mate.